Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Peter Gabbett Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Timothy Hankst, and today is July 2nd, 2020, which means I'm on day 201 in a row of 365 promised episodes. It brings you unedited, unscripted, improv, news, movies, music, sports, food, entertainment, and all things except politics. Now, I've all heard of the expression, stay in your lane. You know, if you're a basketball player, stay playing basketball. Don't try and become a lawyer. You know, if you're an argumentative person and you're debating something, you know, remain on the side of your debate and don't try and just flip-flop in the middle of an argument. So it's, it's just what you do when you stay in your lane. But what about staying in your jizz lane? Well, that apparently didn't happen to... Jizz Lane Maxwell, if that is her name, I I don't know if I'm saying it right, but if I am, then oh my gosh. First of all, your name is Jizz Lane. Second, you're an associate to Epstein. And third, you're being charged with enticement of minors. Now, there's been a big, well, not speculation, but there's been a big proven theory that has come to light about how Hollywood... And the rich folks of the world are basically all pedophiles. Yeah. Apparently, if you have money and you've done it all, you know, you've had hookers, you've had drugs, you've you've had cars, you've had mansions, you've had all these things, you've done everything. What is there left to do? Well, in the sick and sadistic world of rich people, apparently the next best thing is to become a pedophile. Now, we all knew about this with Michael Jackson. You know, that was kind of the entry into the knowledge about this sick and twisted world. But now we're looking at people that you just wouldn't expect. And if you're even associated with Epstein anyways, you know, either something bad's going to happen to you or you've done some dirt in your life. And when your name is Jizlane, (laughs) I just, you know, I feel like you didn't remain in your jizz lane here, lady, by choosing not to be with adults all the time and instead enticing minors. I mean, what is wrong with everyone? We've got protesting, riots, and looting. We've got COVID mask wearing, wear a mask in your car by yourself drivers. We've got pedophile elites in Hollywood and all across the board and child-sniffing people running for president. I just don't understand where we are going in our direction of life as a country of, as a, as a planet, really. So I got to say this. I am not on the side of Jizz Lane. I believe she is definitely 100% guilty as charged, and it's only a matter of time before she doesn't quote-unquote, kill herself. Well, folks, it's been an odd year, and it's about to get even more odd with the ending of Oddwalla juice drinks and smoothies. I'm sure you've had one of these before. It comes in a strange-shaped bottle, which actually is really good for companies that sell them because they stack really closely together and you can maximize the amount on a shelf 
without having to refurbish them as many times per day when people buy them out. Now, I remember them being sold at Starbucks, and basically every 7-Eleven type place would have Odwalla smoothies, and some of them are pretty good. But it seems that consumers don't want them anymore, and Coca-Cola can't keep selling them because they don't make any money. So if you're a fan of Odwalla fruit smoothies, and you want to get your fix before the time is up, you better start buying them now, because by the end of July, there will be no Odwalla's new ones anyways, being produced by the Coca-Cola company whatsoever. They acquired Odwalla in 2001, and they thought, you know, this was going to be good for them. They're going to make a ton of money off of it. People love that stuff. And all of a sudden, it just fell off hard in the last couple of years. People are more interested in just, I guess, eating straight-up veggies or being vegan and vegetarian, so they don't really need to get their daily fix of fruits and vegetables in a drink anymore because they get it all day in everything else they eat. So because of this, Adwala is no more, and you will not see it by next month. What a tragedy for the man bun having free Wi-Fi getting entrepreneurs that are in their early 20s that usually hang out at places like Starbucks all day to look important on their laptop. Sorry, folks. No more of your favorite juice drinks. You're going to actually have to get a coffee. Isn't it always nice, the idea of taking your wedding photos on the beach? You know, beautiful scenery, Pacific Ocean in the background here on the West Coast. And one California couple who dreamed of doing that fulfilled their wishes with some nice, beautiful photos of them on the beach right before they got washed into the ocean and had to get saved by lifeguards. Yep, there's actually a video of when they fully got washed in and then, you know, with her being in a wedding dress, it's probably hard to swim in a long gown like that that's holding you down. So, of course, lifeguards were called in and took care of business as they tend to do. I got nothing but respect for lifeguards, although some of them are a little crabby about certain rules on the beach or they don't want you to smoke a J by the ocean and things like that, whatever. But for the most part, they're there to save lives and that's it. And I respect that. And they saved this couple. Both of them are okay. Thank God. What a disaster that would have been if one of them drowned or both. But in this case, they got a couple good photos, they got a good laugh, and they'll never forget the day that they almost drowned while taking their wedding pics on the beach in California. Yep, hopefully that's not a bad omen for what is yet to come in their marriage. You know, like as soon as they tie the knot, a big wave of crap will come and sweep them away into an endless pit of despair and doom. But either way... I do believe, you know, it's the opposite of that. It's the luck that they were able to have with being saved immediately by the lifeguards and having no tragedy occur during this time that is going to bring them to be together forever. You know, if they're lucky enough that after the somewhat could have been disaster occurred with them on the beach, then, you know, they are lucky enough to stay together until they both die. Till death do they part. 
Now, we all know Guardians of the Galaxy references a lot of 80s stuff because Peter Quill, a.k.a. Star-Lord, was taken from his family in the 80s by Yondu, and he mostly remembers 80s stuff from planet Earth. And one of the things he references in Guardians of the Galaxy is Footloose and Kevin Bacon, and when asked about this, Kevin Bacon thought it was totally cool that he was referenced as himself in the MCU in a scenario, especially in a movie as popular as the Guardians of the Galaxy. He went and saw it in theater. He thought, how cool is this? I got a shout out to myself, not even the character I played in the movie, but actually the actor himself, Kevin Bacon. Now, there's been rumors that he could pop up in an MCU movie. He has done work with James Gunn in a movie called Super. But I will say that the best Kevin Bacon movie of all time was not Footloose, was not A Few Good Men, was not Flatliners, was not... What's the one where he plays like a guy who's able to be invisible? Whatever that movie is, not that either. Tremors, ladies and gentlemen. Tremors is easily the best Kevin Bacon movie and one of the best 90s action flicks of all time. It is such a great movie to this day. Not not only was my own father somewhat obsessed with Tremors, it was one of the movies he can watch anytime, any day, and always be entertained, which of course gives me a little bit of a bias towards the movie. But I seriously watched it just a while ago to be sure that it was great, and I was sure again. And every few years... I do the same thing, and I'm still reminded of how great it is. Even the special effects are not very bad for being as old as it is. They they're still hold true. You know, they still hold up to this day quite well. And the one-liners in that movie and the other actors in the movie, I mean, it has Reba McIntyre randomly in it. The movie is fantastic. Tremors, ladies and gentlemen, the first one, if you've never seen it, Force yourself to do it. You'll be glad you did. All the others after that are questionable. I mean, there's like seven or eight Tremors now. They just kept going and going and going. None of them have Kevin Bacon except the first one. I think Kevin Bacon himself wasn't sure there would be such a cult following for Tremors. And maybe they just couldn't get him on board for number two, even though that came out not too long after number one. Maybe he just thought, Number one was such a good, complete movie. He didn't need to do anything else. It was enough with the Tremors series or idea, and it it was complete. Either way, the first one is amazing. The second one's okay. All the others after that start getting, you know, a little bit Sharknado-y. So you're going to have to kind of keep an open mind if you want to watch the others later on. But I'm telling you, the first Tremors ever... Such a good action flick right up there in the 90s action movies with Die Hard. I'm telling you, you gotta see it. Don't waste your time with the other ones. Just see the original Tremors with Kevin Bacon. Now, folks, the new Flash movie called Flashpoint in the DCEU has reportedly come to light with the actual script being basically 
compilation of the CW Flash show all into one movie. Now, if you ever watched the CW Flash show, it depicted the original story of Barry Allen where his mother was killed by the reverse Flash when he was young, and he learns to run so fast that he's capable of time jumping and uses that ability to try and go back in time and stop his mom from being murdered by the reverse Flash, which then causes an entirely darker and more terrible universe to occur later in life. When he goes back to his own time, it is now going to be the same scenario in Gotham that Tim Burton's dark version of Batman with Michael Keaton was, and where just crime runs rampant, and of course Michael Keaton will reprise his role as Batman, but will be a 30-year-older Batman than the one you saw, you know, in the Tim Burton films, which will get him to a point where he's just, he's so sick of violence and crime, he's willing to do violent and criminal things to end it faster and he's just kind of lost his edge and lost his view that the world could be a good place and with that he's been married to Catwoman for a long time who we also know will be played by Michelle Pfeiffer the original Catwoman from the Tim Burton Batmans as well and eventually Barry Allen loses his ability to run fast and although he butt heads with Batman in this movie, they eventually team up to, to take out the reverse Flash, which then sends Barry Allen back to his own timeline, which is still askewed because of his removal of the reverse Flash, which then opens up the multiverse theory, which they say will be the key to the reboot of the entire DCEU franchise opening up the opportunity for all sorts of characters to come into play. Because with a multiverse, then Barry Allen could go from one timeline to another, or from one universe to another, and in each one of these, there could be different crime-fighting characters from all the DC comics, or even different villains. And so, this is really the opening for everything to come out in the next few years from the DCEU using Flash, Flashpoint the movie, to prepare themselves to expand the universe like we've never seen. Now, I have high expectations for this movie, especially knowing that Keaton and Pfeiffer are now a part of it officially. Now, I don't know if they're going to have any issues with Ezra Miller, because the guy is just a loon, but I hope that he can step it up and play the role he was meant to play as the Flash, because he does a great job as the Flash. And I'm super excited about this. Can't wait for it. Now you know the plot. Hope I didn't ruin it for you. Two women were arrested at the border while attempting to smuggle $2.5 million in U.S. cash scattered around their SUV and some in a suitcase all the way through the port of, point of entry at the San Ysidro border crossing from America to Mexico to, of course, undoubtedly buy a mass amount of drugs. It's probably drug money that was made here from drugs that was sold here that was brought 
from Mexico to America and distributed by cartel members and other people that sell their drugs for them. And then when the money gets collected to get back down there to purchase another round of drugs, these women acted a fool in some way which alarmed the Border Patrol agents enough to search their vehicle and find this huge amount of cash. Yep, so it seems that they actually got to the Mexican side before, you know, because when you're coming this way, when you're coming towards America from Mexico, you get stopped by the United States Border Patrol and they might search your car. But when you're going to Mexico from America, you get searched by their authorities to see if you're bringing anything into Mexico. Now, you have to designate if you have over $10,000 in U.S. cash, you have to explain that or provide a reasoning or proof that you have that money before you cross, especially if you have 2.5 mil in separate packages, which is already pretty sketch-seeming. You're clearly in the drug trafficking trade at that time, and you're going to send money to the major players of the cartel so that you can come back with a whole buttload of more drugs. So with that being said, they entered the nothing-to-declare line as they attempted to cross, and that already raised a red flag because their suitcase had 13 bundles of U.S. currency in them. And then in the rest of their car, they found 86 more bundles of cash, totaling 2.5 mil. You just don't travel to Mexico with that type of money unless you're buying drugs. There's nothing else there to buy in that high quantity of money. You know, unless you're like going there to buy up a whole bunch of companies in cash, which no one would ever do because you would get robbed long before you could even make it to where you were supposed to be buying these places. So with that being said, the two women were pulled to an, a place called Secondary where they'll be held pending a federal investigation and making me wonder why I couldn't have just somehow come across their SUV, which was... I mean, I'm talking, my house is a minute away from where they got stopped with the 2.5 mil. I mean, they drove past my house with 2.5 million in cash. Why couldn't one of these bundles just dropped out and landed on my porch, and then I would be, you know, much richer than I currently am in the fact that I'm not rich at all. And I'm only rich in love and life as I have my three kids and wife and I'm not sick. Congratulations to me. But this just goes to show that even during the COVID-19 pandemic, the drug trafficking trade has not slowed down a single bit. And 2.5 mil seems like to me a lot of money, but that's nothing for the cartel. They're going to make up for that in a day. It is seriously nothing to them. Although the women will probably get brutally murdered in prison there because they lost some money for one of the major players of the cartel, and they do not take that lightly. Ah, This is just another reason why we have to have secure borders, ladies and gentlemen. Folks, it is time for the portion of the Peter Gabbett podcast we've all been waiting for, and that is Real Stories, brought to you by Peter, Timothy, Hanks, and Barbecusion, that's B-B-Q-U-S-I-O-N. And today I am going to tell you the story about when I was a freshman in high school and went to one of my first high school parties that was at a mansion 
with a, a guy's family. His name is Joe Ansel. And I don't know how they were so rich, but they were filthy rich. I'm talking, you know, custom, gigantic mansion up on a place called Bald Peak. Where one of the rooms we entered was dedicated to stuffed actual animal carcasses that his father had hunted himself. You know the type of room where there's elephant tusks coming out of the walls. There's full, like, tigers and leopards and cheetahs that have been stuffed that the guy killed while hunting in Africa. And there's just, like, every animal you can think of that a person could pay enough money if they were rich to kill, stuffed in a giant room that was... The room itself was larger than the entire square footage of my house. And that was just one room. They had a game room with pool tables, ping pong tables, foosball. They had, I mean, pool in their backyard, a giant backyard that went out into the woods. They owned all the land behind it. And I, you know, I took advantage of the woods, the wooded area behind his home to smoke some weed. Now, I was a freshman in high school, so I was still around a lot of kids. And I think the guy's parents... Well, I know the guy's parents were there, his mom anyway. I don't know if his dad was there, but I know his mom was there watching over this party. So it wasn't a place where he could smoke weed in their mansion. I mean, their mansion was nice. They didn't want people screwing it up. So I went out to the woods and smoked weed with a guy named, uh, I think it was Robert Torres and my buddy Chris Connors. So me and my buddy Chris, we're stoned as hell. We come back to the house and we realize his mom has laid out like a buffet of quality food to eat for everybody and including low quality food for the stoned young poor kids like me and Chris including pizza a whole bunch of pizza all different kinds laid out and I I walk up and start smashing slice after slice I'm ripped my eyes are red and this dude's mom comes out and she's like oh hey there stonies and I've never even met her, but she immediately declares that me and Chris are stonies. That that becomes our name for the night. And she starts cracking jokes about us, and we're worried if she's, like, actually upset that we're stoned. But she doesn't seem to care, you know. It seems like she welcomes the idea that there are a couple kids there actually getting stoned in high school. That's funny to her, although she knows her son isn't doing that because he was one of the goody-goodies. He played sports. He just didn't do stuff like that, maybe later in life. But there was alcohol there for some reason. I don't know if the mom allowed it or if people just snuck it in, whatever. There was people there that were drunk, which led to a front-of-his-house boxing match between multiple people, one after another, who just decided they wanted to box next, and they wanted to box next, and everybody wanted to box each other. I'm not a boxer, plus, at that point in time and now, I'm much smaller than all these people. You know, these people were backwoods, like farmland, giant, dairy-drinking, beef-eating. I don't know what happened to them compared to me, but I grew up off cereal and you know, Little Debbie snacks, so these guys were huge, and I was not. Now, I, you know, weaved my way through the mansion from bedrooms to game rooms to trophy rooms to all these areas and got into the garage where they had, like, seven vehicles 
the likes of which I will never even be able to sit in. They were so luxury or sports. I mean, they had a Porsche. They had, I think, an Austin Healey or an Aston Martin. They had, you know, just like a giant truck, an old, like, 50s Ford truck that was rebuilt and redone. They had, like, so many amazing vehicles that I'll never be able to afford that I was like, if I already didn't think they were filthy rich, I knew what level of rich they were at that point when I entered their garage. Now, I walked through their Jay Leno-style garage, packed full of just amazing cars, and I get to the front of it where the boxing matches are taking place. And, of course, my friend Cole Schlotman has decided to jump in the mix of people who want to box because he's got a heavy hand and it one punch from that guy and most people just drop. Although he's not a fast person because he's a big dude, a wrestler, a football player. I think he played, a, he was probably a lineman or a tackle in football. And he goes up to box somebody. I don't even remember who it is, but he immediately bashes them in the face and their nose starts bleeding and they like walk away basically crying. And then he challenges the next person, the next person, and he ends up just wailing on a bunch of people. And at some point, my friend Chris Connors gets in the mix. I don't even know who he boxed against. It might have been my other friend Nathan. Either way, they bloody each other up a little bit and I'm just thinking, what is going on here? I'm at a gigantic, multi-million dollar mansion on a hill. There's kids boxing each other in high school. I'm stoned out of my mind. This guy's mom's calling me stony. There's cars behind me that I like have never even been able to touch in my lifetime until I put my hands on them just to have that feeling in his garage. And my The lesson to be learned here was to party it up in high school at parties like that and get all stoned and box was not going to lead you to be able to throw parties like that for your kids because you're rich later in life. It would instead lead me to where I am today, a schmuck, compared to that guy's family, who I believe is still to this day insanely rich. There's nothing that could have stopped them from having money with the amount that they must have had to have what they had at that mansion. Incredible. Always been jealous of that guy, always will be, and will never forget the time I partied at Joe Ansel's mansion in Bald Peak when I was a freshman in high school. Thank you very much for listening to the Peter Gabbett Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. It means a lot for me to have listeners like you. I appreciate each and every one of you, and I hope you have a fantastic day, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Now, those times back in high school when I partied with no worries... I got to say, I had the time of my life back then. I don't regret a single second of it. Now, I do wish that I hadn't got expelled from high school, but that's another story. But the parties I went to, never going to forget them. And they were the time of my life to signify such importance that they had on the shaping of me. Here's a song by Green Day called Good Riddance about having the time of your life.
Another turning point, a fork stuck in the road Time grabs you by the rest, directs you where to go So make the best of this test and don't ask why It's not a question but a lesson learned in time It's something unpredictable but in the end is right I hope you had the time of your life So take the photographs and still frames in your mind Hanging on a shelf in good health and good time Tattoos and memories and dead skin on trial For what it's worth, it was worth all the while It's something unpredictable, but in the end is right I hope you had the time of your life Something unpredictable, but in the end it's right I hope you had the time of your life It's something unpredictable, but in the end it's right I hope you had the time of your life